0: SECTION 26 OF THE GREAT EVENTS BY FAMOUS HISTORIANS, VOLUME 7. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. RECORDING BY LARRY WILSON. THE GREAT EVENTS BY FAMOUS HISTORIANS, VOLUME 7. BY CHARLES F. HORNE, Rossiter JOHNSON, AND JOHN RUDD. Wycliffe Translates the Bible into English, A.D. 1382, by J. Patterson Smythe It may safely be said that no greater service has been rendered at once to religion and to literature than the translation of the Bible into the English tongue. This achievement did not, indeed, like that of Luther's German translation, come, as it were, by a single stroke luther's bible caused him to be regarded as the founder of the present literary language of germany new high german which his translation permanently established the english bible on the other hand was the growth of centuries but to the contributions of able hands through many generations during which the english language itself passed through a wonderful formative development the incomparable beauty of king james version owes its existence and our literature its greatest ornaments it is impossible to say when the first translation of any part of the bible into english was made no english bible of earlier date than the fourteenth century has ever been found but translations even of the whole bible older than wycliffe are by at least two eminent witnesses said to have existed as for old translations before wycliffe's times says sir thomas More they remain lawful and be in some folks' hands. The Holy Bible, he declares, Dialogues, page 138, edition 1530, was long before Wycliffe's days by virtuous and well-learned men translated into the English tongue. And Cranmer, on his prologue to the second edition of the Great Bible, bears testimony equally explicit to the translation of Scripture in the Saxon's Tongue. And when that language waxed old and out of common usage, he says, the Bible was again translated into the newer language. There has never been any means of testing these statements, which were probably due to some inexplicable error. Abundant evidence exists relating to many Saxon and later translations of various parts of the Bible before the time of Wycliffe. Among the most notable of the early translators were the Venerable Bede and Alfred the Great. Some portions of Scripture were likewise translated into Anglo-Norman in the 13th century. Some of the early fragments are still preserved in English libraries. Three versions of the Psalter in English from the early years of the 14th century still exist, one of which was by Richard Roll, the Yorkshire hermit, who also translated the New Testament but so far as known the first complete bible in english was the work of john Wycliffe, assisted by nicholas de hereford whom some would name first in this partnership though the product of their joint labors is known as wickliffe's bible john wickliffe the morning star of the reformation was born near richmond yorkshire about thirteen twenty four he became a fellow and later master of balliol college oxford afterward held several rectorships the last being that of letterworth upon which he entered in thirteen seventy four for opposing the papacy and certain church doctrines and practices he was condemned by the university and his followers known as Lollards, were persecuted something of his life in connection with these matters is fitly dealt with by smythe in connection with his account of the famous translation after the early anglo-saxon versions came a long pause in the history of bible translation amid the disturbance resulting from the danish invasion there was little time for thinking of translations and manuscripts and before the land had fully regained its quiet the fatal battle of hastings had been fought and england lay helpless at the normans feet the higher saxon clergy were replaced by the priests of normandy who had little sympathy with the people over whom they came and the saxon manuscripts were contemptuously flung aside as relics of a rude barbarism the contempt shown to the language of the defeated race quite destroyed the impulse to english translation and the norman clergy had no sympathy with the desire for spreading the knowledge of the scriptures among the people so that for centuries those scriptures remained in england a spring shut up a fountain sealed yet this time must not be considered altogether lost for during those centuries england was becoming fitted for an english bible the future language of the nation was being formed. The Saxon and Northern French were struggling side by side. Gradually, the Old Saxon grew unintelligible to the people. Gradually, the French became a foreign language. And with the fusion of the two races, a language grew up which was the language of united England. Passing then from the quiet deathbeds of Alfred and of Bede, we transfer ourselves to the great hall of the Blackfriars Monastery london on a dull warm may day in thirteen seventy eight amid purple robes and gowns of satin and damask amid monks and abbots and bishops and doctors of the church assembled for the trial of john Wycliffe, the parish priest of letterworth the great hall crowded to its heavy oaken doors witnesses to the interest that is centred in the trial and all eyes are fixed on the pale stern old man who stands before the dais silently facing his judges he is quite alone and his thoughts go back with some bitterness to his previous trial when the people crowded the doors shouting for their favorite and John of Gaunt and the Lord Marshal of England were standing by his side He has learned since then not to put his trust in princes the power of his enemies has rapidly grown even the young King Richard the second has been won over to their cause and patrons and friends have drawn back from his side whom the church has resolved to crush the judges have taken their seats and the accused stands awaiting the charges to be read when suddenly there is a quick cry of terror a strange rumbling sound fills the air and the walls of the judgment hall are trembling to their base the monastery in the city of london are being shaken by an earthquake friar and prelate grow pale with superstitious awe twice already has this arraignment of wycliffe been strangely interrupted are the elements in league with this enemy of the church shall they give up the trial no thunders archbishop courtenay rising in his place we shall not give up the trial this earthquake but portends the purging of the kingdom for as there are in the bowels of the earth noxious vapors which only by a violent earthquake can be purged away, so are these evils brought by such men upon this land which only by a very earthquake can ever be removed. Let the trial go forward. What think you, reader, were the evils which this pale ascetic had wrought, needing a very earthquake to cleanse them from the land? Had he falsified the divine message to the people in his charge? was he turning men's hearts from the worship of god was his priestly office disgraced by carelessness or drunkenness or impurity of life oh no such faults could be gently judged at the tribunal in the black friars hall wickliffe's was a far more serious crime he had dared to attack the corruptions of the church and especially the enormities of the begging friars he had indignantly denounced pardons and indulgences and masses for the soul as part of a system of gigantic fraud and worst of all he had filled up the cup of his iniquity by translating the scriptures into the english tongue making it as one of the chroniclers angrily complains common and more mean to laymen and to women than it was wont to be to clerks well learned and of a good understanding so that the pearl of the gospel is trodden under foot of swine the feeling of his opponents will be better understood if we notice the position of the church in england at the time the meridian of her power had been already passed her clergy as a class were ignorant and corrupt her people were neglected except for the money to be extorted by masses and pardons as if to quote the words of an old writer god has given his sheep not to be pastured but to be shaven and shorn this state of things had gone on for centuries and the people like dumb driven cattle had submitted but those who could discern the signs of the times must have seen now that it could not go on much longer the spread of education was rapidly increasing several new colleges having been founded in oxford during Wycliffe's lifetime a strong spirit of independence too was rising among the people Already Edward III and his Parliament had indignantly refused the Pope's demand for the annual tribute to be sent to Rome. It was evident that a crisis was near, and as if to hasten the crisis, the famous schism of the Papacy had placed two Popes at the head of the Church, and all Christendom was scandalized by the sight of the rival vicars of Jesus Christ anathematizing each other from Rome and Avignon raising armies and slaughtering helpless women and children, each for the aggrandizing of himself. The minds of men in England were greatly agitated, and Wycliffe felt that at such a time the firmest charter of the church would be the open Bible in her children's hands, the best exposure of the selfish policy of her rulers, the exhibiting to the people the beautiful, self-forgetting life of Jesus Christ as recorded in the Gospels. The sacred scriptures, he said, are the property of the people and one of which no one should be allowed to wrest from them christ and his apostles converted the world by making known the scriptures to men in a form familiar to them and i pray with all my heart that through doing the things contained in this book we may all together come to the everlasting life this bible translation he placed far the first in importance of all his attempts to reform the english church and he pursued his object with a vigor and against an opposition that remind one of the old monk of bethlehem and his bible a thousand years before the result of the blackfriars synod was that after three days deliberation wycliffe's teaching was condemned and at a subsequent meeting he himself was excommunicated he returned to his quiet parsonage at letterworth for his enemies dared not yet proceed to extremities and there, with his pile of old Latin manuscripts and commentaries, he labored on at the great work of his life, till the whole Bible was translated into the muttered tongue. And England received, for the first time in her history, a complete version of the scriptures in the language of the people. And scarce was this task well finished, when, like his great predecessor Bede, the brave old priest laid down his life he himself had expected that a violent death would have finished his course his enemies were many and powerful the primate the king and the pope were against him with the friars whom he had so often and so fiercely defiled so that his destruction seemed but a mere question of time but while his enemies were preparing to strike the old man was not for god took him it was the close of the old year The last sunday of thirteen eighty four and his little flock at letterworth were kneeling in the hushed reverence before the altar when suddenly at the time of the elevation of the sacrament he fell to the ground in a violent fit of the palsy and never spoke again until his death on the last day of the year in him england lost one of her best and greatest sons a patriot sternly resenting all dishonour to his country a reformer who ventured his life for the purity of the church and the freedom of the bible an earnest faithful parson of a country town standing out conspicuously among the clergy of the time for christ's lore and his apostles twelve he taught and first he followed it himself here is the choice specimen from one of the monkish writers of the time describing his death on the feast of the passion of saint thomas of canterbury john Wycliffe, the organ of the devil the enemy of the church the idol of heretics the image of hypocrites the restorer of schism the storehouse of lies the sink of flattery being struck by the horrible judgment of god was seized with a palsy throughout his whole body and that mouth which was to have spoken huge things against god and his saints and holy church was miserably drawn aside and afforded a frightful spectacle to beholders His tongue was speechless, and his head shook, showing painfully plainly that the curse which God had thundered forth against Cain was also inflicted on him. Some time after his death, a petition was presented to the Pope, which, to his honor, he rejected, praying him to order Wycliffe's body to be taken out of consecrated ground and buried in a dunghill. But forty years after, by a decree of the Council of Constance, the old reformer's bones were dug up and burned. AND THE ASHES FLUNG INTO THE LITTLE RIVER SWIFT, WHICH RUNNETH HARD BY HIS CHURCH AT LUTTERWORTH. AND SO, IN THE OFTEN QUOTED WORDS OF OLD Fuller, AS THE SWIFT BEAR THEM INTO THE SEVERN, AND THE SEVERN INTO THE NARROW SEAS, AND THEY AGAIN INTO THE OCEAN, THUS THE ASHES OF Wycliffe IS AN emblem OF HIS DOCTRINE, WHICH IS NOW DISPERSED ALL OVER THE WORLD. BUT IT IS WITH HIS BIBLE TRANSLATION THAT WE ARE SPECIALLY CONCERNED as far as we can learn the whole bible was not translated by the reformer about half of the old testament is ascribed to nicholas de hereford one of the oxford leaders of the lollards the remainder with the whole of the new testament being done by wycliffe himself about eight years after its completion the whole was revised by richard purvey his curate and intimate friend whose manuscript is still in the library of trinity college dublin purvey's preface is a most interesting old document and shows not only that he was deeply in earnest about his work but that he thoroughly understood the intellectual and moral conditions necessary for its success a simple creature he says hath translated the scripture out of latin into english first this simple creature had much travail with divers fellows and helpers to gather many old bibles Another doctors and glosses to make one latin bible some deal true and then to study it anew the text and any other help he might get specially Lyra on the old testament which helped him much with this work the third time to counsel with old grammarians and old divines of hard words and hard sentences how they might be best understood and translated the fourth time to translate as clearly as he could to the sense and to have many good fellows and cunning at the correcting of the translation a translator hath great need to study well the sense both before and after and then also he hath need to live a clean life and be full devout in prayers and have not his wit occupied with worldly things that the holy spirit author of all wisdom and cunning and truth dress him for his work and suffer him not to err and he concludes with the prayer God grant us all grace to ken well, and keep well holy writ, and to suffer joyful some pain for it at the last. Like all the earlier English translations, Wycliffe's Bible was based on the Latin Vulgate of St. Jerome, and this is the great defect of his work, as compared with the versions that followed. He was not capable of consulting the original Greek and Hebrew, even if he had access to them in fact there was probably no man in england at the time capable of doing so and therefore though he represents the latin faithful in well he of course handed on its errors as faithfully as its perfections but such as it is it is a fine specimen of fourteenth century english he translated not for scholars or for nobles but for the plain people and his style was such as suited those for whom he wrote plain, vigorous, homely, and yet with all its homeliness full of a solemn grace and dignity, which made men feel that they were reading no ordinary book. He uses many striking expressions, such as Second 2 Timothy 2, four, No man, holding not to God, wallopeth himself with worldly needs. And many of the best-known phrases in our present Bible originated with him, e.g., the beam and the mote, the deep things of God. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. No but a man shall be born again, the cup of blessing which we blessen, etc. Here is a specimen from Wycliffe's Gospels. In Thilk Days came June Baptist, preaching in the desert of Jude, saying, Do ye penance, for the kingdom of heavens shall nigh. Forsooth this is he of whom it is said by Isaiah the prophet. A voice of a crying in desert, Make ye ready the ways of the Lord, make ye rightful the paths of him. Forsooth, like June, had cloth of berries and camelis, and a girdle of skin about his lindus. Soothly, his meat were in locusts and honey of the wood. Then Jerusalem went out to him, and all Jude, and all the country about Jordan, and they were christened of him in, in Jordan, knowledge in their sins. It is somewhere recorded that at a meeting in Yorkshire, recently a long passage of Wycliffe's Bible was read, which was quite intelligible throughout to those who heard. It will be seen that this specimen, Matthew 3, 1 to 6, is not divided into verses. First division belongs to a much later period, and though convenient for reference, it sometimes a good deal spoils the sense. The division into chapters appears in Wycliffe's as in our own bibles this chapter division had shortly before been made by cardinal hugo for the purpose of a latin concordance and its convenience brought it quickly into use but like the verse division it is often very badly done the object aimed at seeming to be uniformity of length rather than any natural division of the subject sometimes a chapter breaks off in the middle of a narrative or an argument and especially in St. Paul's epistles, the incorrect division often becomes misleading. The removal as far as possible of these divisions is one of the advantages of the revised version to be noticed later on. The book had a very wide circulation. While the Anglo-Saxon versions were confined for the most part to the few religious houses where they were written, Wycliffe's Bible, in spite of its disadvantage of being only manuscript, was circulated largely through the kingdom and though the cost a good deal restricted its possession to the wealthier classes those who could not hope to possess it gained access to it too as well through their own efforts as through the ministrations of wickliffe's poor priests a considerable sum was paid for even a few sheets of the manuscript a load of hay was given for permission to read it for a certain period one hour a day and those who could not afford even such expenses adopted what means they could it is touching to read such incidents as that of alice collins sent for to the little gatherings to recite the ten commandments and parts of the epistles of saints paul and peter which she knew by heart certes says old john fox in his book of martyrs the zeal of those christian days seems much superior to this of our day and to see the travail of them may well shame our careless times but it was at a terrible risk such study was carried on the appearance of Wycliffe's bible aroused at once fierce opposition a bill was brought into parliament to forbid the circulation of the scriptures in english but the sturdy john of gaunt vigorously asserted the right of the people to have the word of god in their own tongue for why said he are we to be the dross of the nations however the rulers of the church grew more and more alarmed at the circulation of the book at length archbishop arundel a zealous but not very learned prelate complained to the pope of that pestilent wretch john wycliffe the son of the old serpent the forerunner of the antichrist who had completed his inquiry by inventing a new translation of the scriptures and shortly after the convocation of canterbury forbade such translations under penalty of the major excommunication god grant us runs the prayer in the old bible preface to ken and to keep well holy writ and to suffer joyful some pain for it at the last what a meaning that prayer must have gained when the readers of the book were burned with the copies round their necks when men and women were executed for teaching their children the lord's prayer and ten commandments in english when husbands were made to witness against their wives and children forced to light the death-fires of their parents and possessors of the band Wycliffe bible were hunted down as if they were wild beasts thus did Wycliffe, in his efforts for the spread of the gospel of peace bring like his master fourteen centuries before not peace but a sword every bold attempt to let in the light on long-standing darkness seems to result first in a fierce opposition from the evil creatures that delight in the darkness and the weak creatures weakened by dwelling in it so long it is not till the driving back of the evil and the strengthening of the weak as the light gradually wins its way that the true results can be seen it is to use a simile of a graceful modern writer as when you raise with your staff an old flat stone when the grass forming a little hedge as it were rounded as it lies beneath it what a revelation blades of grass flattened down colorless matted together as if they had been bleached and ironed hideous crawling things black crickets with their long filaments sticking out on all sides motionless slug-like creatures young larvae perhaps more horrible in their pulpy stillness than in the infernal wriggle of maturity but no sooner is the stone turned and the wholesome light of day let in on this compressed and blinded community of creeping things than all of them that have legs rush blindly about butting against each other and everything else in their way and in in a general stampede to underground retreats from the region poisoned by sunshine next year you will find the grass growing fresh and green where the stone lay the ground birds build her nest where the beetle had his hole the dandelion and the buttercup are growing there and the broad fans of insect angels open and shut over their golden disks as the rhythmic waves of a blissful consciousness pulsate through their glorified beam. the stone is ancient error the grass is human nature borne down and bleached of all its color by it the shapes that are found beneath are the crafty beings that thrive in the darkness and the weak organizations kept helpless by it he who turns the stone is whosoever puts the staff of truth to the old line incubus whether he do it with a serious face or a laughing one the next year stands for the coming time then shall the nature which had lain blanched and broken rise in its full stature and native lines in the sunshine then shall god's minstrels build their nests in the hearts of a new-born humanity then shall beauty divinity taking outline and color light upon the souls of men as the butterfly image of the beatified spirit rising from the dust soars from the shell that held a poor grub which would never have found wings unless that stone had been lifted End of section 26.